Welcome, everybody. Great to be together with you here in Bethel. And I also want to greet all of you online, as well as in New Milford, in Waterbury, and in the Valley. It's so good to be worshiping together. We are in this series called Arise and Shine. And we've spoken already the last few weeks about what it means to gather in the presence of the Lord, corporately, but also as individuals. And today, we're going to go a little bit further with what it looks like to gather with the Lord and looking at the topic of prayer. My, I have a goal today. I'll, I'll set it out there right from the very beginning. Then you can judge at the end if, we've, if we hit the goal. This is what I, I really believe the Lord wants to do today. I, I thought about this, this topic, prayer, and I thought to myself, well, anyone who's ever been in church has probably heard a good sermon on prayer. <laughs> so what is it that God wants to do in a sermon on prayer today? I, I really sense the Lord say he wants to excite you if you have never really been on a journey of prayer, and he wants to reignite you if you maybe have lost a little bit of that passion for prayer. I know that when I was early in my faith journey with Jesus, prayer was a challenge for me. At times it still is. But it was a challenge because I didn't see the excitement in it. I didn't see why it should, should bring that, that passion. And today I hope I'll be able to show you a little bit of, about that. But I think you have to start in the right place with prayer for it to really hit home in your own life and for you to feel that effectiveness of prayer. I think you have to start in, in this place. And I found a, a quote that I really liked from uh, Pastor Tim Keller. He, he says, Gosp the gospel is radically different from religion. Religion operates on the principle, I obey, therefore I am accepted. The gospel operates on the principle, I am accepted through Christ, therefore I obey. See, it's not simply about discipline or checking off a box. You know, I did my prayer today. But it's about a growing relationship with Jesus. That's what prayer is. It's not just about doing the stuff but it's truly about meeting with the Lord. I have friends, and you do too, I'm sure, who believe that they can live however they want to during the week as long as they go to mass or to church service on the weekend. Maybe you used to think that. Maybe you think that today. But listen to, even from the Old Testament, what it says about thinking like that. Psalm 51, 16 to 17 says, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. You, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. We pray because we want to be more like Jesus. We pray because we want to get closer to God. We pray because we want to become the man and woman, the man or woman that Jesus wants us to become. We want to draw closer. We have to start from this place of knowing I'm loved. I'm loved, and therefore I want to be with my Father in heaven. It can't start with, I need to be, I want to be loved by God. Therefore, I'm going to do the stuff that he wants me to do. Now, I want to just say, sometimes that's where we start in our faith journey. We say, I'm going to do this because God told me to do it. And even in that, the Lord can be so gracious to us and bring us to that place where we realize, wow, he loved me first. You know, you know what scripture says about that? It says that, the Lord loved us while we were still sinners. While we were his enemies, he still loved us. Isn't that incredible? He loved us first. He wants us to, be, to start our prayer journey with that knowledge. He loves you. Therefore, he wants to be in your presence. And he wants you to want to be in his presence, to grow in that relationship with him. 
So I want to start out today, we're going to jump into the scripture passage that we read in a moment, a little later in the service, but I want to give you some real practical things today. I want to share a way to pray, because I know there are some in the room, some online, who are new in this journey of prayer. And I want to give you some practical ways that you could choose to kind of help jumpstart and ignite and, and engage in prayer. If you were to go to the first-20.org, you're going to find out about what we call our first 20 here at Walnut Hill. There are some great resources there. In fact, if you haven't been there in a while, it's updated with some new things to look at and to, to help you on your journey to get going in your prayer life. But one of the things that you'll find there is a really good video by Pastor Jan Nell. It's about 31 minutes long. I would encourage you, if you're kind of trying to figure out, how do I have a devotional time with the Lord, this is a great place to go. Take 30 minutes of your time and it will help you really take some steps. Now, I want to give you some of the highlights of that video right now. Now, as I share this with you, it might seem like I'm a little confused between scripture reading and prayer as I talk about this. But the reason why it sounds like that is because they go so hand in hand. And a devotional time with the Lord, a first 20, that first best 20 minutes of the day with the Lord needs to have that intertwining of scripture and prayer. So if it sounds like I'm confused, I'm not, I promise, but you'll get what I mean as I go. First of all, create an environment where you can meet with the Lord. Create an environment. What does that look like for you? Can't be a place where when the kids wake up, they're running by you every two seconds, right? Because there's no way to focus in that setting. So what does that environment look like? I'm going to whip through these. Have the right equipment, if you can't read a tiny print Bible, you probably should get a big print Bible. But sometimes it's as simple as that. Do you have a Bible that you can actually understand? There are great Bibles out there. Some of the ones that we recommend are the New Living Translation, which, which is the one we usually use in services, the, the NIV, the ESV. Why do we choose those as some great examples? Is because they're called dynamic equivalencies. They are, they are translated from the original languages with a, a team of people that has, have done a great job translating the Bible. A paraphrase is fine, but it doesn't get that deep. It gives you some ideas. It's not going to be as deep as these, pa these passages that you're going to read through. So that's important. Find the right equipment. Come pure-hearted and with clean hands. What does that mean? Go to the Lord before you ever enter into anything and ask for forgiveness. Make sure that you come to the Lord having laid down your life before him. Ask the Holy Spirit for revelation, teaching, understanding, practical application. A few weeks ago, I mentioned to you that we shouldn't underestimate the power of um, listening to good teachers and submitting ourselves to preaching, yes, but we also have the Holy Spirit every moment of every day, and he wants to come and illuminate to you Scripture, speak to you, help you practically apply it to your lives. So you can, right in the, the, those first 20 moments, invite him in. Worship the Lord. Give him honor and glory. This can be simple. Um, maybe med meditating on a scripture passage like Psalm 104, which says, 100, verse 4, enter his gates with praise. Thank the Lord. There's always something to be thankful for, even in the darkest and most challenging times. Thank the Lord. Thankfulness is so often the entrance in the doorway to the Lord. Tell him what he means to you. Maybe use scripture to encourage your soul, to remind you of how good God is. These are just some little techniques to kind of get our hearts right. It's before we even 
maybe open the Bible. But it only takes about what I just shared with you, five minutes maybe, maybe not even, just to get prepared. And then, friends, open the Word of God. We gave you this great tool, this filament Bible. I hope that you're using it, the Acts Bible, this, this season. With a great reading guide, it's not even that many verses per day, just a few per day. And I don't know if you've noticed yet, but there's a QR code inside here. And I took some time just to investigate what's there. Good resources, good resources for you to kind of enhance that time with the Lord. I want to encourage you, take advantage. It's a free app. We gave you a free book this year, the book of Acts, with some great materials, open scriptures. And then, here are some questions that Pastor Jan Nell raises in that video that I think are great questions. They're going to be on the screen for you if you want to take a picture of them. Great questions to ask yourself as you're reading those scripture passages from the book of Acts or some other book of the Bible. Is there a command to obey? Is there a promise to keep? Is there a principle to learn? Is there a behavior to change? Let those sit with you for a second. If you just let those sit with you for a second and you think about your scripture reading and you you know that these questions are going to be convicting, aren't they? They're going, to convict, they're going to convict you and guide you and, and help you. There's more in that really nice video that Jan does that I would encourage you to take a look at, if, especially if you're at the beginning of this journey with the Lord. The other thing I want to mention to you, we've got a couple of resources for you right in the, in the fellowship mall and in every fellowship mall at every campus. This first 20 card This gives you some of the basics of what you're going to find on our website, First 20. Some great resources to get you started. And then, now this is a bit more of a corporate prayer opportunity. Um, Adam and I want you to know, though, that this week and next we're going to be really promoting this. If you want to pray with our Church in Action partners, there's a card that's going to be right out there, and there's going to be a QR code on the screen. Every Tuesday this month, another practical way to be learning how to pray and praying with others From 7.30 to 8.30, we're going to be praying with our Church in Action, our missions partners around the world. If if you've done that with us during Church in Action Week, it is so fun to come together with these wonderful people and get to bless them with prayer and get to be blessed by their stories. That's something for everyone if they want to be a part of it, but we do need you to register for that. And you can do one or all four of those, or all five actually, because we've got five Tuesdays this month. I hope you'll, you'll be a part of that with us. So that's just a little bit of the pract- one of the practical ways that you could be reading your scriptures and praying. Now, let me keep going here. A growing relationship, I-, I mentioned at the very beginning, is what we're looking for with the Lord. I don't want you to get too prescriptive in your seeking the Lord. And I want to encourage you not to be too prescriptive with others. There's not just one way to meet with the Lord. There's not just one way to pray. There's many ways. In fact, we even see in the Lord Jesus, we're going to look at this in a moment, that he meets with his Father in different ways at different times. For me, one of my favorite things to do is to go out early in the morning and go for a walk. And you'll see a picture here of me and my dog, Bob, out at the place we like to go walking. What a beautiful morning that was. Not always that beautiful. This weekend, I walked in the rain with him two straight days with full rain gear on. But it was just me and him. No distractions. Just a great time to meet with the Lord. For me, I found that being in nature is, a, is, is one of the best ways to meet with the Lord in prayer. You have to find those places, those times that work really well for you. And you know what? Over time, sometimes the Lord will change those for you. He'll, he'll move you into a different direction. That comes as you 
get to know him better. You get to know his voice better. And you get to experience that and then respond to what he wants you to do. Every relationship grows in different ways, doesn't it? Same with our relationship with the Lord. It grows in different ways. We want that first 20 to move into a, a place where we are praying without ceasing. Ever read those words in Scripture and think, what does that mean? I just think that means that through our day, we are in communication with the Lord. That we don't just meet with the Lord for those first 20 minutes, but we learn over time as we grow in our relationship with him that, that we can be in contact with him all day long. It can be those quick arrow prayers, or it could be a moment where you're like, I, have to, I need to pause and pray because I don't know how I'm going to handle this situation. It, it becomes our, our natural tendency to go to him throughout the day. That's what we want. That's what we, we see in Jesus. So what are the non-negotiables? I've given you one way that you can meet with the Lord on a daily basis. I've told you that there's lots of ways, but what are the things that we know that we need when we come to pray, when we come to meet with the Lord? I think the best way to know the answer to that question is to look at Jesus because he gives us the master class of prayer, doesn't he? Wow, you wanna, you wanna understand what it looks like to pray? You look at the life of Jesus. He picked places, didn't he? He had special places that he went to go. Why do we know that? Because the disciples knew where to find him. He would go off to this place called the solitary place up in Galilee. He would go to this garden called Gethsemane, right near Jerusalem. Why do you think that Judas knew where to find him that night that he was betrayed? Because it was a place that he would go. In fact, we find in those two places two similar caves where it's likely he met with his disciples and he went to pray. So he had these special places that he sort of consecrated before the Lord and he would go to meet the Lord in those places. Then we know he took time. In fact, we see sometimes where he's pray, he prays all night long. Now, when I first got to know the Lord Jesus, I wasn't thinking about praying all night long. Were you? I mean, maybe in that enthusiasm of first meeting him, maybe you did, I don't know. But for me, I wasn't there but I can tell you now that there's times when I know the right thing and the thing that I want to do is to pray. And it will take me to some extremes. Jesus did that at different times. But we also know that he would get up early and go to pray. That he would encourage others to, um, to pray. And he would also sometimes encourage his disciples to give him space so he could go pray and meet with his, Lord, his father alone. Sometimes he had a lot of time. Sometimes he had a little bit of time. And I want to release some of you who don't have a lot of time right now to know that even those little times with the Lord can be precious and powerful. Some of you in here are mothers of little kids. And I watched my own wife as she went through that season where, man, there just wasn't a lot of time. And, but she used the little bit of time to the best of her ability. You don't need to feel guilty about that. There's different seasons. Some of you are retired and you're like, I got a lot of time. I can go meet with the Lord for a lot more time than I could when my household was full of people running around. The Lord even demonstrates. Sometimes he has a lot of time, sometimes he has less time. It's not so much about the amount of time, I think it's about the quality and the commitment to that time. The Lord demonstrates that in different ways. That's the second non-negotiable. Places, times, thirdly, the Holy Spirit. We have to invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. You know why? Because so often we will continue to think and function the same way our entire lives 
if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to come and change us. And he wants to change us. He wants to mold us into more and more who he wants us to be. And he wants to mold and shape our hearts and minds. We're not always comfortable with that, but Scripture tells us that this is what the Holy Spirit does. We're going to spend a lot more time teaching you about the Holy Spirit in weeks to come, but I want to give you just a few quick highlights of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives as we allow him to come and move and shape us. And listen, if you want to know about the Holy Spirit, who do you look to? Again, Jesus. Because in Jesus, we see the Holy Spirit most perfectly enacted in, a hum- in human form. That's what we see. We see Jesus being filled and refreshed, trans- well, not necessarily transformed, but guided by the Holy Spirit perfectly. Why? Because he's without sin. So the sin wasn't getting in the way. Like for us, it does. Now, Jesus had flesh, so he still had to war against the flesh, like we do. But somehow, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was able to do that without sin. That's the difference between us and him, among a few other things. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit does these things in our lives. The same Spirit who was in Christ is given to us, friends. Do you contemplate that ever? The same Spirit who was in Jesus is given to us. And this is what the Spirit does. John 14, 26, helps teaches, reminds. John 16, 7 through 8, convicts us of our sin. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, brings revelation, wisdom, and power. John 16, 13, guides us to truth and a knowledge. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, gives us spiritual gifts. Romans 8, 26 to 27, helps us in our weaknesses. Romans 8, 10 through 11, makes us new. Galatians 5, 16 to 25, produces good fruit in our lives. Don't you want that? I want more of that. When I say I want more of that, I mean I want less of my sinful nature and flesh warring and more of the spirit moving and controlling my life. Because this is great, this is great what he does in our lives. It's, a, it's amazing what he does in our lives. Maybe that's new to you, to know that that same spirit who is in Christ wants to come and rule and reign in your life and do these good things in your life. But he does. He wants to do it. And as we seek the Lord, as we pray, we get a chance to see that. So that's another non-negotiable. We have to invite the spirit in. Fourth, non-negotiable, scripture. Let me just say this strongly to you. Other than scripture, everything else should be seen as supplemental. If the goal is to know and become more like Jesus, we have to fill our hearts, our lives with the source. And the greatest source comes through the Spirit's illumination of scripture to us. We have the word of God, and yet so often we spend our time with so many other things. There's a video that I saw when I was at the Elam conference this past year And it was about this. Can you see this? Some of you know what it is. I can see it in your faces because we've talked about this before. This is a Bible written in Persian. It's a New Testament. And I watched a video of the translators of this Bible. It's a newly translated Bible. In fact, Walnut Hill actually helped um, through our gifts with the translation of this incredible New Testament. I I watched a video of the translators when it came out off the presses, literally jumping for joy and kissing the word of God because they were so excited that they finally had 
the word of God in their language, in their modern language, so it could actually be shared. And then the video goes on to talk about how these Bibles were being smuggled into countries where they were not allowed. And, and the government was railing against the Bibles, telling the, com- the communities, don't read them. I mean, just incredible. And I, I, why do I share this with you? Because we take it for granted how powerful and wonderful this is. Later in the video, you see uh, testimonies of people who have received this Bible, have read it, and fallen deeply in love with Jesus and have their lives transformed. It's so powerful, and yet we read so many other things and watch so many other things and spend so little time with it. Friends, and and listen, as I say this, I'm sort of pouring coals on my own head because I walked through this week saying to myself, man, it's a little bit shameful how much time I waste on other things. I didn't like how that felt. And I don't think it was, you know, some sort of a guilt-driven thing. I think it was the Holy Spirit saying, hey, get this straight in your life too. Everything else is supplemental to the power of this book. Those, those believers know it because they didn't have it and they wanted it so desperately. And it's changing their world. It's changing their world. Jesus had scriptures memorized. Did you know that? The whole Old Testament, chapter and verse, memorized. That was his culture. That's what he did. It was written on his heart. (laughs) I'm not anywhere close to that. But shame on me for not making this the priority and using everything else out there. Those are good things, but they're good supplemental things. This is the source. Why would we go downstream from the source when we can go right to the, where the source is coming from, from the spring that the, of, of the Lord? Why would we go downstream? Friends, I hope you're as convicted as I was as I thought about this. I used to tell my parents when I was listening to music as a kid that wasn't too uplifting with the, you know, the lyrics particularly, I would say to them, oh, I'm not listening to lyrics, mom and dad. I'm just listening to the the beat, you know, to this, the music. Don't buy that, by the way, from your kids or your grandkids. <laughs> because what you listen to, what you allow into your, in, into your sight, into your, your, your body, into your soul, affects you. It affects you. Scripture says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So even good books aren't as good as the word of God. And then the stuff that we waste our time with, the garbage that we put in, it's, it's, it's worthless. It's a waste. Let's drink from the source. It's one of the non-negotiables when it comes to our prayer life. And then I, I just want to push us a little bit further to consider something. There's an investment in your spiritual journey with Jesus that you can make. Actually, there's many. We invest in lots of things, don't we? And none of these are bad things. Retirement, time with our friends and family, Vacations, there's lots of good things we invest in, but I want to challenge you. How are you investing with your, in your spiritual relationship with Jesus? How? In what ways? The first 20 is very important and a great way to get started. But if you could walk with Jesus where he walked and experienced all of what he experienced with your own senses, wouldn't you do everything you could to make that happen? There's an opportunity to do that. Take a look at the video.
This is one of those places that is such a powerful part of our Christian story and one of the many places that we visit on the trip to Israel. So many people have called Israel the land, the fifth gospel. And it's because of places like this that we see the gospels just unfolding, the scriptures unfolding in a powerful way. When you come back from Israel, we always say that your reading of scripture goes from black and white to vivid, full color. Here in the garden tomb, is such an example of that. It's a place where you see things, feel things, you experience through all of your emotions what the Lord is speaking to you. In Luke 19.40, Jesus says these words, If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. That's the power of the archaeology of the Holy Land. That's the power of the places that we see. I think about a few specific places. If you go to the far north, we start in Caesarea Philippi. And in that place, that's where Jesus said, on this rock, and he points to himself, on this rock, the church will be built. And he uses so many of the disciples to do that building. Then as you traveled south from that place to the Sea of Galilee, and we sit together by the Sea of Galilee, the Lord speaks to his disciples. He steps out on a rock pier, and he calls those first disciples and says to them, no longer will you be fishing for fish, but you'll be fishing for men. And then just up the hill from there, we go into this cave. It's the solitary place. It's called Aramis. And there in that cave and just on the mountain on top of it is the place where the Lord went to pray. It's the place where he gathered with his disciples to teach them. And then later, he preached the most powerful sermon ever preached from that mountaintop. I think about Caesarea Maritima, which is on the Mediterranean Sea. And in that place, a rock was found that proved once and for all that Pontius Pilate really was the person that the Bible said he was. And then, oh, Jerusalem, when you stand on the Mount of Olives, you see the whole story unfold from the upper room to the triumphal entry coming down the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus went to pray. You see the place where he was tried by the religious officials and then the place where he was tried by the governmental officials. And then you make the walk to the place where he was crucified and where he rose again. The story unfolds in this place. And then here at the garden tomb, we come and we can celebrate the resurrected Jesus. In our lifetime, we invest in so many things. What about the idea of investing in your spiritual journey? Come walk where Jesus walked. Come see the stories of scripture come to life. I wanna invite you to be a part of next year in Israel. Friends, I want to encourage you. It might not be this year, but it could be a year to come. One of the most powerful ways to grow in that journey with Jesus is to go on a trip like this. And you'll see we have two trips this coming year. One is a, a walk on the Jesus Trail from Nazareth to the Sea of Galilee. where You get to walk literally on the Roman roads that Jesus walked on. And in June 23rd through July 7th, we have a trip that's actually going to include a trip to, um, to Petra, to Jordan, as an additional part of a, that journey. I want to encourage you to reach out to Pastor Clay Norman if you're interested, and we'll send you more information. I share this with you because I want you to experience that prayer life of Jesus. This is one of the powerful ways to do it. And again, it may not be for this year, but you might consider, how, do I, how will I invest in a journey with Jesus this next year? It could be this way. It could be in another way. I want to go now to the passage that we read earlier and just put, put in my own words what I see here. Because prayer leads to action. Prayer is exciting when it leads to action. 
Listen to Peter's story. Here he is in Joppa, just south of Caesarea Maritima on the Mediterranean Sea. He's at the home of Simon the Tanner. He's on the roof. It's a private place, as we've described already, and he's praying. The Lord meets him in a vision that shakes him up. Three times a sheet comes down with these unclean animals, and he hears the Lord saying to him, kill them and eat them. Now, God was preparing Peter to do something that he was very uncomfortable with. He'd been taught his whole life that he was part of a set-apart community. It had been clear, though, that Jesus was teaching them something different, even while Jesus was alive and with them before his resurrection. Jesus says these words that should have prepared them, but for some reason they, sh- they still weren't prepared. He said, can't you see that the food you put in your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. But Peter was still living as a God-fearing Jew. But now through this vision, he was receiving new marching orders. New marching orders. But they seemed to contradict what he knew to be true and right. My question is this for us. What will you do when you receive the new marching orders of the Lord. Peter responded, and it opened up the gospel to a whole part of the world that hadn't received it yet. It was world-changing. But for us, whether it be small or large, will we arise and shine when the Lord calls us to new marching orders, or will we cower and stick to what we know and what's comfortable in our lives? The same place that Peter was hanging out in Joppa was the place where Jonah ran from the Lord. And we know how it went for him. He ended up in the stomach of a fish for three days. Thankfully for Peter, he didn't have to go through that. Now the Lord had to show him something three times, and we could talk about what that's all about. But he got it. That conversation with the Lord changed his life. Those clean and unclean animal visions allowed him to immediately respond to being called to this unclean group of people, the Gentiles. And he's sent by Cornelius's entourage up to Caesarea Maritima. We'll bring you there if you come with us. And then the Spirit allowed Peter to meet with Cornelius and to see him come to know the Lord and be filled with the Spirit and begin the transformation of his, his community. We see it in Jesus as well. As he hears from the Lord, he's set into action. The Sermon on the Mount is a perfect example. When he's up on that Aramis Heights, he meets the Lord and he comes down from there and he heals a leper. The feeding of the 5,000 comes right after prayer. When he watches the disciples from that cave over the Sea of Galilee and then he walks on the water to meet with them. Time and time again, his prayer life with the Lord puts him into action. So how will you know when you're hearing the marching orders from the Lord? I wanted to just share what I jokingly have called a Jerry Maguire moment in my life. You ever seen that movie? Jerry Maguire is this um, working in the sports industry and he gets sick of how it's going and he wakes up in the night and writes a, a paper, basically. And I, was, I had a similar experience in 2001. I've had similar experiences since then, but this one I have well documented. Because I wrote a letter to then-pastor Joel Eisness, and I want to 
read a couple excerpts from it. Because I sensed the Lord was truly moving, and I, through prayer, I got to experience God at work. I wrote to him, my heart was stirred early last week as I prayed and contemplated how God might use me. I sensed a similar stirring some months earlier at a Luis Palau festival. I sensed a need in a particular area and that God might be calling me to be used as a solution to that need. Now as I read this, I'm not reading this to highlight me. I'm just reading this to highlight how God speaks. So you can see in one example how God can speak. And then I wrote, I had about five encounters with other people who confirmed what I was thinking and what I was praying. All without prompting. Wow. Okay, you take note of that, right? I had one of our dear friends here at Walnut Hill, Nelson and Marge Malowitz, without me even speaking to them, pipe up about the same issue that I was seeing. By the way, this issue was wanting to reach out to, at that time, what we called the Gen X generation. We had so few younger people in our church here at Walnut Hill. I truly sensed God calling me, I wrote. And here's my final comments in this letter. I believe that God is calling this church to action at such a time as this. I share all of these thoughts with you because I have been convicted and truly sense God's hand beginning an awesome movement. My prayer this weekend has been that this letter would confirm in your heart what God has confirmed in my own. Do you see the pattern? Do you see the pattern of what I was trying to share with you? Scripture spoke to me. It It transformed my thoughts and mind and made me want to take action. There was a creative outpouring in the middle of the night, literally waking up in the night, not being able to sleep, and writing this letter in minutes. It was an outpouring that was beyond my own thoughts. A consistent prompting was happening that I could not shake. There are prophetic words from others who had spoken into me and affirmed that something was happening and I was not missing it. And then what you don't know is after this, there was unusual fruit All of a sudden, God started moving, not just through me, but through others as I got the chance to empower them and see what he did. We had a movement begin. It was incredible. I share this with you, friends, because I I want to do what I started out to to do today. I want to excite you and reignite you with that passion for prayer. I want to invite our worship teams to come forward and all the campuses now as I bring this time to a close. Let me just remind you what we've talked about today. Why do we pray? We pray because he first loved us and we desperately want to be closer to him and be in relationship with him, grow in him, become the men and women that he wants us to become because we know when that happens, he can use us even more for the sake of his kingdom. That's what we do. It's a growing relationship We might start in one place and he takes us on a journey in a different place. He's growing us. He's taking us from the discipline of prayer into a lifestyle of consistent prayer in the Lord, meeting with him moment by moment, day by day. He's taking us on that journey. Where do we learn to pray the most? Well, we learn from Jesus, the master class of prayer. And we see that in him, it's not just about communing with the Father, but it's about receiving the marching orders of the Lord and then being willing to respond. I hope you're a little more excited today. If you've never really been excited about prayer, you might start on this journey 
of prayer. And I hope if you've been a little bit less passionate of late, that you're going to be reignited. Now, it, it takes you going from here and doing something about it. And I want to encourage you to do it. We've got these resources that we mentioned. Take that, this filament Bible of Acts and start working through that reader's guide. Take, these, take this first 20 card that's out there. Get some resources if you need them. Come be inspired by our missions partners. Join us in prayer. And let's put scripture at the forefront of what we do. Let's, let's pray as we stand together. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much that you intermingle in such a beautiful way prayer and your word. And today we want to, we want to ask you, Lord, to ignite us or, or excite us and reignite us for a passion for prayer. That we might meet with you, Lord. We might be shaped by you through our time with you. And Lord, that we might be used by you as you give us marching orders. We might step out in faith and truly be used by you for your kingdom, for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.